0: Everyone, for those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Maddie, and I get to be one of the pastors here at Epiphany Station. And before we dive into a conversation in our teaching series, "No More Fear," I just want to let you know why we've created these our connection cards. You might see these scattered around the worship space in the facility this morning. I just want to let you know what they're for. Really, primarily, they are to help you communicate with us. If we can help you in any way as you desire to love God and love people, that's what we want to be able to do. The first one I want to show you is the red one. This is our card for new guests, people who've maybe just checked Epiphany Station out very recently. And if you've not filled one of these out, we would love you to do that. You can find them at the welcome station. And when you hand one over there, they'll actually give you a free gift for being with us today. Our most used connection card is probably our yellow one, which is the one for your growth and your trajectory. It's the next step connection card. Whatever it is that you're feeling that you want to do next, we want to be able to support that in your life. So it might be a prayer request you want to share with us or something that you want to do to try and respond to one of our conversations on a weekend. And the final one is our green connection card. This is for people who are ready to join us on mission, who want to embrace thousands of outsiders alongside us. You can find this and you can jot down any of the places you might feel called to contribute to what God is doing here at Epiphany Station. That might be on a weekend through our amazing ministries like E-babies and E-kids that help our families and help our young ones. It might be through the team that made you feel welcome this morning. It might be worship and tech, celebrate recovery, care teams, anything, because we believe that people aren't supposed to do what they're not gifted to do, but everybody is gifted to do something. Due to be part of getting involved in the movement God is doing through Epiphany in Thief River Falls. Now, as we talk about movement, one of the things that we're doing this month is walking through this teaching series, No More Fear. And this series is built around the idea of serving you with conversations that would help you live your life in a way less constricted and less bound by the fears of your life and more ability to face them and move on. We believe that all, the faces, all the fears that you're going to face, all of them are worth facing, all of them are worth facing. Fear is worth facing because it is not something we should accept. It is not the new normal. It's not something we should get used to. It is something that we should fight and combat. That's because for those of us who want to follow Jesus, those of us who want to love God and love people, period, God has promised us something. promised promises that he's going to empower us with a spirit that is not full of fear and timidity, but one that's full of power, love, and self-discipline. So today, we're going to talk about the fear failure. And I'm going to be honest with you, this is my biggie. This is the one for me. This is of all the ones we're going to talk about. This is my biggest fear. A life that's filled with the fear of failure. I fear that I'm going to fail my family, that I'll fail my wife, that I'll fail my children, that I'll fail people that place their trust in me. And living in that life of constantly fearing failure, I know what it does to a person. It keeps them held back. It restricts them. It can lock them into a pathetic existence of never, ever being able to enjoy life. And because of that, we're going to deal with it today. And we're dealing with the fear of failure, not of the little things, but the fear of failure, that when those moments come, those pivotal moments, the fear that we'll fall flat on our face. So this is not about your desire to be able to one day do a triple backflip. That's pretty sweet and all, but we're talking about what it means to not fail in life, to not fail in relationships, to not fail in love, to not fail in the things God has genuinely called us to. So please don't expect some rah-rah speech that's gonna send you out to go and do dangerous and dumb things that come your way. This is for those of us who want to follow God's way because he has purposes for us and sometimes those purposes are terrifying. So he helps us understand how to move forward in them without being held back by fear. He does that often. By stories stories moments and recorded in history that help us understand some things sometimes something from God's story and the history of his interaction with people is for us to understand something about him and his character sometimes it's for us to be able to see ourselves in times gone past in which we can connect with individuals and sometimes it is so we can see how to do it right and that is one of our our story today talking about what it means to be able to be afraid where everyone else is paralyzed and still face it and still move forward. Speaking of such a battle as this, we're going to talk about David and Goliath. David, little man, Goliath, big guy, sling, stone, forehead. You maybe heard the story before, but we're not even going to talk about the fight, even though that's the cool bit, the Hollywood worthy bit. We're going to talk about what led up to this confrontation. Because what led up to it, I believe, tells us a lot about what it means to face against the fear of failure. So here's the setup. There's two opposing nations, Israel and the Philistines. And the Philistines had mustered an army for battle. They'd camped between Socor and Judah and Ezekiah in Ephes Damim. And Saul had counted Saul, the king of the Israelites, he'd counted by gathering his Israelite troops near the valley of Elah. So the Philistines and Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with the valley between them. And this is the scene. This is a scene where many battles have taken place in history. But this is the scene for a unique instance in which that valley became a valley of fear. A valley of fear in which so many from Israel would not even dare step foot into it. Because something weird happened. Goliath happened. Goliath was a champion. A Philistine, from a place called Gath. He came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall, wore a bronze helmet, bronze coat of mail that weighed 125. He wore bronze leg armor, and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was heavy and thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds, and his armor-bearer walked ahead of him with his shield." Now, this army of Israel came to face an army that was going to confront them, an army that sought to destroy them, an army that sought to diminish and belittle their God, and they came ready to fight. But what they did not come ready to face was a challenge by this giant. They were not expecting this foe, and it shows, because everything we read right off the bat of the setup to this moment is all that was narrated, all that was documented from Israel outside was, oh, he's a big one. He's a big one, isn't he? He's nine feet, and he's got all this armor, and he's huge, and he's massive, and we don't want to fight him. All of their focus gets honed in on on the weight of his armor, his military garb, and his height, and his power. And all of a sudden, what they came to do to stop this Philistine army is not what they're concerned with. They're only concerned with their fear. And it robs them of all their fight. And because it robs them of their fight, Goliath's able to do something. He's able to mock them every day he stands in front of them and he mocks their nation he mocks their king he mocks their god he calls their mums fat it was a real terrible situation and what happens was he basically goads them every day and every day they do nothing he would come out and say this i'm the philistine champion you're just servants of saul choose a man to come down here and fight me If I kill, if he kills me, we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you have to be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man to fight me. And when Saul, the king, and all of the Israelites heard this, they were terrified. Terrified and deeply shaken. And they were rooted and paralyzed by fear. And this, this thing that they would never have accepted on any given day, is what they allowed to happen every day. For 40 days, this happened. For 40 days, Goliath came out, and I love this. He strutted in front of the Israelites and mocked. And for over a month, they listened. And for over a month, they put up with it. And over a month, they became inoculated to what was being said about their God. And for over a month, their pride was taken from them. For over a month, shame washed over them. And for over a month, their beliefs were belittled, and there they were stuck, rooted on one side of the valley in fear, the fear of failure, the fear of confronting this man and what it would mean when they didn't win. And you see a whole nation, a whole community now complacent. The new normal is people can speak badly of us. They can speak badly and they can dishonor our God and we'll do nothing to stop it. That's just a setup. I want to speak to it for a little bit, because here's the thing. I don't think we're sat here today thinking to ourselves how we desire to live life with complacency. I don't think that. I don't think that at Epiphany Station, we would be okay with wrong things happening in our community. I don't think generally as human beings, we tend to be all right with dishonor and injustice and atrocities happening and doing nothing about it. And the thing about that is, I bet on day one, neither were the Israelites. Neither would they say that they're okay. In fact, they've come to wage a war against it. But on day 40, they have a different answer. And wrong is allowed to run rampant. I believe that we have, you have a myriad, a ton of things that you would do today if you weren't afraid of failure. Things that you would do that would improve your life. Things that you would do that would maybe improve your health that would maybe improve your marriage, that would maybe renovate your family, that would maybe change your community, maybe improve your church, things that you would do if you did not fear failure, if you were able to live with no more fear. But we do fear failure, don't we? We fear that we're wrong. We fear that we fall flat on our face and we're called foolish. See, we're not so different from the Israelite army We're not so different from those people who stand on the edge of the valley, unable to do what they know is right, to stop the injustice that is happening. But what God is trying to communicate with this story is not defeat. He's trying to help us understand that, yes, we might not be so different from them, but we also need not be so different from his answer, from his solution, from his design to face off against fear. Because God does what he's always done. When there's a fear that is not being faced, where there's a wrong that needs righted, he raises people. He raises people to do something about it. And in this instance, David. David starts in the story. As you or I might start in our own story. And David, the shepherd boy from some hills from the middle of nowhere, comes and fast forward. And we find him declaring and saying something that is just completely absurd. He says, I'm going to go do what no one else will do. I'm going to go take care of this bully because I've done it before. I've faced down lions and bears trying to steal my sheep, and I'll do it to the Philistine too. Not because he's defied me or hurt my feelings or you, King Saul, but he's defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who I love, the Lord rescued me from claws of lion and bear, will rescue me from the Philistine. David walks in, and to everyone else is this naive, Unlikely of unlikelies. He sees things to them wrong. He sees them different. And he arrives on a scene where everyone else has been inoculated over 40 days to what is wrong, and he sees that something's wrong, and he doesn't seem to be concerned about his foe's size. In fact, he seems to be more concerned and enamored and in awe of his God's size. And he will not stand for the slander against the God that he loves. So he brings what little he has to offer, a few years of life, a sling and some stones and a stick, knowing that that is enough for God to accomplish what God seeks to accomplish. And that is what God does. He accomplishes much with our little. I want to share with you in a second here a testimony from two of my friends uh, that do some ministry here in, in Thief River. And I want to share it with you because I believe it is a great example and a picture of what it means to, in your personal life, in your walk with God, and with anything that you might be called to in responsibility, to leadership, to be able to see fear, to own what it is and still act and still do something. I want to share with you the testimony of Dave and Kelly, the ministry coaches of Celebrate Recovery.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Dave Kruger. This is my wife, Kelly. We are the Celebrate Recovery Coaches.
2: Our backgrounds are a little different. I was raised in a traditional church.
1: And I was not.
2: Our family attended church every Sunday, and we did that up, and through, up until sixth grade, and then we just stopped going.
1: We started attending a church when I was around 10. When I was old enough to make my own decisions, I decided to leave that church and stopped attending church altogether because I didn't like what was being taught.
2: Neither one of us attended church regularly again until we were married and moved up to the area and we raised our family in another traditional church. We attended that church for over 20 years, but still never really felt a part of it or that we belonged. We always felt that there was something missing.
1: But that all changed. Uh, One Sunday, one of Kelly's friends, um, Wanted to check out Epiphany Station, but she didn't want to come by herself, so she asked if we would come with her.
2: And now, looking back, it's just amazing the difference in our lives that that one decision had made. From the minute we walked in the door, the love we um, felt—I just—it's hard to explain. We felt that we were home, and the messages encouraged us. And um,
1: one of those messages for Maddie was, "What is holding you back?" And for me, I knew my drinking was holding me back. So I decided to start attending Celebrate Recovery Men's Step Study Groups on Thursday night.
2: And I immediately saw a difference in Dave. And uh, I was encouraged to start um, attending the Celebrate Recovery Step Studies for women. And even though I was extremely secretive and shy and I didn't want anyone to know my business I took a leap of faith and I did it and I was so so glad I did. Um, The growth I've seen in myself and being vulnerable and opening up um, really helped a lot and then we were asked to join the leadership team to relaunch Celebrate Recovery in Thief River Falls.
1: Uh, Some anxious moments there. I didn't know if I was actually ready to be Mm -hmm. a leader but then I had, I started reading up on some celebrate recovery stuff, and I ran across a quote where the person uh, said, The ministry isn't yours, it belongs to Jesus. And so I, that's always stuck with me um, just give it back to Jesus, give, give everything to Him.
2: Uh, Dave and I were so happy in what we were doing. Um, we jumped in foot, feet first into Epiphany Station and helped out as much as we could and then also in Celebrate Recovery and we f- were having a huge difference in our lives as well as the lives of others and we thought this is it. This is where we are meant to be and we were just extremely happy and then Maddie approached us and asked us if we wanted to lead Celebrate Recovery. That was scary. Um, It was terrifying. I didn't think that uh, he even knew who he was talking to. Was he talking to the right people? Um, I personally thought that I'd be the last person that would be qualified to run Celebrate Recovery. Um, But it is amazing. We um, stepped out in faith, trusted God. We prayed about it and felt that he was calling us to this ministry. So we just did it. And... um, our lives have been changed. We have grown tremendously um, and not only with ourselves, but just by being vulnerable and sharing our struggles with other people, we've seen the change in them also.
1: I'm over two years sober now and some other people that came in at the same time we did that have worked the program correctly, they're over two years clean and sober now too.
2: Um, We've been asked if we ever regretted the decision to step forward, and I have to say 100% no, not at all. Um, If you would have known us back then and know us today, we're two totally different people, and it's all because of God and the work He's done through us. Um, It's true that we're still afraid. Uh, me especially. Um, I get nervous every Tuesday night. I'm very fearful. I think nobody's going to come. I think we do all this work and it's going to be for nothing that nobody's going to be here. Um, And then people show up and Mm -hmm. then I have to talk in front of people and I'm very nervous and and I just, it's it's a weekly thing, but it's a good thing. The rewards and the victories that we see outweigh my fear so much. And I guess my advice to anybody who's thinking about stepping forward, whether it be something little or something small, is just trust God and do it, and you'll never regret it.
1: And I don't regret it at all. It's just amazing adventure <laughs> being on this with God in CR and Epiphany Station. It's just I wouldn't change anything at all now. Mm-hmm. I'm Dave,
2: and I'm Kelly. And,
0: and this, this is, is our epiphany. want well, to thank Dave and Kelly for being willing to do that because when I first asked them, they said they were terrified and afraid to do it, which I thought was hilarious. Um, we get to hear stories like that again and again um, at Epiphany because... There are just people that want to just move towards God and they bring with them their past and their struggle and their fault and their flaw and their strife and their giant and their fear and they just want to move towards Him and He does what He does. He does the rest. He uses us in our own lives and in the lives of others far beyond what we would ever consider possible. That's what God does. God calls us to face our fears He calls men and he calls women from backgrounds and races and cultures and nations that we can't even comprehend to go and do and find his purposes to do instead of what is easy to do what is right instead of following our small ambitions to get behind the purposes he has for our lives and simply follow him to instead of living a life that is constantly making us a victim of fear walking with Him and finding victory against that fear. That, I believe, is what we are born to be, and it's what we're called to and called for, and I believe it's why you're here this morning, to understand what it is that God is calling you to, the life that He wants you to lead. Because as we face our fears, as I face my fear of failure, and you face yours, you have two choices. You may run and hide, or you may go and fight. To go and fight is the path towards actually leaning into what God has called us to do, to not sit and to cower, but to go and do what needs to be done for what God is calling out of you. And it might be, it might be to battle a self-destructive habit like Dave was willing to share on there. It might be being willing to be vulnerable, being willing to be open, to share your life, to let your guard down, to be a part of God's family somewhere. It might be to take responsibility, to take responsibility in your home, to take responsibility in your church family, to take responsibility in your community. It might be to face the fear of the unknown or to face your fear of confrontation. Whatever it is, God is calling us to face our fears and step up and step out. And in that moment when you stand on the edge of the valley looking and facing your giant, there is only really one question. What is worth more to me? The fear of my failure or my love of God and people? What is worth more to me, the fear of my failure or the love of God and of people? And as we seek to love God and love people, we have to know that we will face fears continuously. And we will have one of those two choices to make. As we wrap up our conversation here, just very quickly, briefly, I want to tell you what I believe will help you if you desire to make steps in loving God and people, especially if you're facing off against your fear. Five steps that I believe David went through, five steps that would help us put action behind our conversation. The first one is to see. It is to see what others are not willing to see. It is to be willing to have your eyes open, to let God show you something's wrong. Because we walk through our lives and a lot of people get bound to this idea that everything's fine and it's not that bad and we don't need to do anything against it, but it's not. And God might want to show you that it's not. It's not. Maybe he wants to show you that your relationship's not fine, that your marriage is not fine, that your family's not fine. Maybe it's that your money's not fine. Maybe that your work is not fine. Maybe your integrity is not fine. Maybe your city's not fine. Maybe your church is not fine. See, for 40 days, the Israelite soldiers stood there and they become blind to their God being smashed and slandered in front of them. And David walks up with fresh eyes and he says, Who is this pagan? then he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God. He sees what is wrong, and he's willing to keep his eyes wide open. If you're willing to see what needs to be dealt with, what needs to be confronted, then you need to ask a question. You need to be willing to ask, to seek to understand the situation, wherever it may be, wherever you might come into contact with it, to gain perspective. Ask people you trust Maybe if it's marriage, you're asking people that you respect their marriage. If if it's community, you're asking people of the community. Ask these questions and seek to know. Because what David did was, he went and asked the soldiers, what's going on? And then he went and moved along and he asked some more soldiers, what's going on? And he found the root of the problem that God was having him see. If we see and if we ask, here's what you need to know about movements of God is you also need to be ready and willing to suffer. Because it's going to happen. See, David's older brother, Eliab, saw all this going on. And when he saw his little brother, he said, What is it that you think you're doing here, little shepherd boy? I know of your pride and I know of your deceit. I know you're just here because you want to watch the battle. David suffers by being ridiculed. He suffers by being criticized. His motivations, his character, his ideas all because he wants to do what God has called him to do, and you will suffer for doing what God has called you to do. People will want to attack it. Every move of God is criticism. Every move of God is mocked. Every move of God is ridiculed. When you seek to do something different, to change it, to shift the status quo at home in life, people will attack it. People will attack what you're doing at home, in your marriage, in your family. They'll attack your decisions to be in church. They'll attack everything that you decide to do when you decide to move with God. But if you see and you ask and you suffer, there will come a point where you are called to go way beyond and move, way beyond conversation, way beyond finding out information, way beyond talk, and there has to be a moment where you move. Otherwise, you are there just to watch the battle. You are there to sit on the fence. And that move will be a moment where you declare, I'm doing this. It's going to get done. For David, that was to tell his king, don't worry about the Philistine. I'll go fight him. And as he did that, and as we ever step out against our fears and those things that hold us back, we need to do maybe what is the most important thing to do in the whole process, is to remember. To remember why. Remember why we do what we do. Remember what is most important, because David makes his reasons incredibly clear. He declares all of his reasoning for anyone in the distance that can hear. He makes sure for himself and everyone present, they know why he's going to face this fear. Facing off against the Philistine and his ridicule, David replied, You come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you. I will kill you and cut off your head. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. As we seek to love God and love people, we need to remember why we're loving God and loving people. And as we face these battles against fear, as we come across our valley and our giant of fear, we need to remember why we would take the first step as much as we would remember why we take the last one. Because God is worth it. God is worth our worship. God is worth us facing off against our fears, and God knows what is best. No matter the fear that you face in walking and moving forward, there is no better path to take than the one that God has called you to. So our challenge is to name our giant, to practically sit down and take your time. What is your thing? And then to work on it. To see it. To ask about it. To suffer. To move and to remember why we want to live with no more fear. I'm going to wrap up here in a moment. As the music team comes up, they're going to lead us in a song of response. A song of worship. And as they do that, I'm going to invite the prayer team to be up front. on the front of the stages here. And the prayer team is here to pray with you. And I just want to be sensitive to the fact that I don't know your fear, and neither do they, but they would love to pray with you. They'd love to tell you what is true about our God. they love to connect you with him. So if during this last song or at the end of our experience today, you need someone to talk to or to pray with, please come make use of our prayer team. Let me pray for you guys right now. Father, we thank you that you desire that we don't cower, that we're not slaves to fear but we can actually live lives that are are more abounding in joy and we're able to go and do things that others can't and won't. That You call us to take responsibility for our world and our nation and our city and our church and our family and our marriage and our work and everything you call us to help us to have no fear. Help us to face it. Help us to own that we have the power to do this. Help us to be a family that supports each other and encourages each other to do these crazy things you call us to. Help us to live in a way that puts trust in you and sees your size and your power before we see the size of our enemy. We ask you to do this for us and help us in this. In Jesus' name, amen.